Welcome to Backroads and Backwaters. I'm your host, Terry Guthrie, and I'm so pleased you could join me today. With each episode, I will introduce you to an out-of-the-way destination you may have overlooked or possibly just didn't know was there. My goal is to inspire you to visit each of them and, in some cases, maybe even get involved on a volunteer basis. Before we begin, I've got a small testimonial I want to pass on to you. A while back, I had an occasion to go to the dentist and have a filling replaced. And for the next couple of weeks after having that work done, I could not eat on the left side of my mouth. Just too much pain, too much soreness. And a friend of mine shared with me a new technology called LifeWave. And LifeWave developed some patches that you put on and you wear them for 12 hours a day and then 12 hours off. There are no drugs involved, no injections. You simply stick them on and the technology takes over. And within about three days, that pain and soreness in my jaw was completely gone. It was absolutely amazing. And I was sitting one day eating lunch and didn't even realize it was gone until I was halfway through lunch and then realized I could eat on that side of my mouth again. So I'd love for you to check out these patches. They're, they've got a number of patches for different purposes. The primary one is called X39 and it's designed to help regenerate your stem cells fabulous technology. Please go check it out. The website is www.lifewave.com forward slash Terry Guthrie. So just spell my name out there on the end and you can get in there and see all the patches and purchase those and have them shipped directly to you. So I look forward to working with you and helping you get started on your road to regeneration. Today, we're talking to Rick Miner in Jacksonville, Florida, with the Carpalus Manuscript Museum. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Welcome to our, uh, our episode. I'm, I'm happy to have you, and uh, I want to learn more about what the Manuscript Museum is all about. So what can you tell us today? Well, the Jacksonville Carpalus Museum is one of 15 Carpalus Manuscript Museums around the country. I've been the director here for 16 years, so I, I know quite a bit about the organization. It's basically under the umbrella of the Carpless Manuscript Library. Mission of the Carpless is the preservation and exhibition of original manuscripts from all periods of world history. So it's here you'll see the writings of great authors, scientists, composers, philosophers, statesmen, sovereigns, and world leaders. And they're exhibited on a themed basis. Now, I get asked a lot, what are manuscripts? I guess that sort of there's a, a lot of people don't understand what we, what we mean when we say manuscripts. And there's many types of documents to be considered. Personal handwritten letters, journals, original drafts of great literary works, handwritten musical compositions, official letters of state, patents, and court documents are all examples of original manuscripts. As most people know, manuscripts are important primary sources for research and history. A primary source is a document created at the time being studied by an authoritative source, usually one with direct personal knowledge of the events being described. The Carpalus Manuscript Library was started by David Carpalus. Uh, he's the owner of the collection. He's an investor, collector, and philanthropist with a master's degree in mathematics and a PhD in history. He's from Santa Barbara, California, originally, although he, he went to college in Duluth, Minnesota. His uh, interest in collecting historical manuscripts began in the late 1970s 
after visiting a library in California with his family. On display was a pass signed by Abraham Lincoln, giving Lincoln's bodyguard the night off. The bodyguard's services would not be needed that night because the president was going to the theater. It was dated April 14, 1865, which, of course, is the night Lincoln was assassinated. Karpolis was impressed by the implications of this seemingly unimportant document and became interested in the possibility of a private collector acquiring manuscripts of real historical significance. He found out it was. He had some connections with some dealers in rare books and antiquities, and they put him in touch with manuscripts that were being auctioned, usually by uh, Sotheby's or Christie's. He purchased his first item, which was a letter written by H.G. Wells, in which Wells was writing to a friend in America, sure that his upcoming novel, The War of the Worlds, was going to be a success, which is very interesting. His next major acquisition was a complete handwritten manuscript of Anthony Hope's Prisoner of Zenda. That's kind of where it all started. The collection now numbers over one million manuscripts and covers nearly every aspect of human history. It's the largest private collection of historical manuscripts in the world. There are 15 Karpolis museums around the country, and exhibits are created around a particular theme and rotated around to each of the museums. Uh, some of the highlights of his collection are uh, the Emancipation Proclamation, dated February 1st, 1865, and signed by Abraham Lincoln. The uh, original draft proposal of the Bill of Rights submitted by the state of Virginia. Uh, Martin Luther's letter, written in 1532, approving the terms of the Treaty of Nuremberg, which recognized the Protestant movement. Uh, he has John Hancock's transmittal letter, which accompanied the Declaration of Independence, and not many people are familiar with that. Uh, other really interesting things are that he has in his archives are the official rescue report from the sinking of the Titanic and Einstein's notes on the theory of relativity. In talking with uh, Karpless, uh, I think he's proudest of his manuscripts re uh, collection regarding the uh, Spanish Armada. So what's, um, how far back is the, the, the oldest document in the collection? Do you have any idea? Well, I mean, he, he's gone back and collected ancient fossil relics and, and things like that. But okay. uh, as far as written uh, paper manuscript, I'm not entirely sure. I know one of the most impressive to me was, uh, was a court document with the stamp of Elizabeth I on there. So that's, uh, that's, that's pretty old. Uh, as far as Earlier than that, I'm not entirely sure, although I do know he has an extensive collection of maps, of antique maps. And I know I saw one listing on the website for uh, something ha having to do with Napoleon. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, I'm pretty sure I would not be surprised. I'm not familiar with everything that he has in his collection, but I have, in the 16 years I've been here, seen a lot of very impressive things. Uh, you know, some of the, one of the more unique ones was uh, he had uh, an exhibit put together around a theme called Letters from the Pen. And it was letters written by famous people throughout history that were written while they were in prison. So you had uh, letters from Mary, Queen of Scots in there, all the way up to Charles Manson. It was really interesting. 
So letters from the pen was uh, obviously a, a sense of humor built into that a little bit. Yeah, of that. exactly. <laughs> yes, that's not yes. where my he mind went definitely had some. Humor. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, Manson. Are there what are some other things, particularly from the 20th century? I know when we go back to you know way back in the 1600s and you know in those eras, a lot of people just their eyes kind of glaze over because they don't really relate to those things. But coming up into a little more modern times, particularly you mentioned Lincoln's era, but the 20th century as well. What are some things that you know of circulating through the museum collection that kind of fall in that realm that we would be more familiar with? Uh, well, I mean, I know that he has the original flight records of Charles Lindbergh's first transatlantic uh, flight, which I think is really interesting. Uh, obviously, the Einstein's, uh, the Albert Einstein notes on the theory of relativity is very important. Yes. Uh, he has a n number of patents for early steam engines, which are really interesting. And uh, also on Thomas Edison's first wireless, you know, transmissions. Those are those are great. It really, it's it's astounding. I, I I wouldn't even know where to begin. He has you know page from the shooting script of the 1933 King Kong, and also uh, for people who are interested in that sort of thing, he has uh, some script pages from the original Star Trek television show from the 60s. Is that right? So I mean, it, it just covers every aspect. And so let's narrow down a little to your museum, in particular in Jacksonville. Tell us a little bit about your collection of what you have currently, but also on permanent display with your location. Okay, certainly. Um, right now, we just sort of have a, a hodgepodge of Victoriana, as I call it. It, it started with I pulled some, uh, we pulled some of the original pages from Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes stories. We have uh, three pages from the Greek and uh, original handwritten manuscripts of his uh the greek interpreter one page from hound of the baskervilles and another one from uh the problem of thor bridge so that uh, we didn't have enough to fill all the cases so i started putting in other british authors of the period i have some charles dickens uh wilkie collins and Rudyard Kipling plus, and then I still had filled all the cases. So I brought in a document on the, the elephant man, uh, the first British exploration to Antarctica and Charles Darwin. So it's basically kind of a uh, you know, Victoriana uh, okay. miscellaneous exhibit right now. And uh, we also have a, a really interesting art exhibit going on now. A few artists that I know put together a sort of imaginary mysterious artifacts discovered around the world it's they created these things to look like they might have been real artifacts for instance there's some things that are, were discovered regarding atlantis the lost continent and uh there's you know egyptian mystics and their relics there's a fiji merman which they built it's interesting to have that at the Manuscript Museum because it sort of blurs the line between <laughs> fantasy and reality in regards to history. But it's been very well received, honestly. And it's a little different. And uh, that's something that I like to do with our exhibits 
beyond the uh, manuscript exhibits is I like to give people something outside of the box, something interesting that they could come in and see. These additional uh, exhibits also bring people in to see the manuscripts themselves, and they're usually impressed. They come in for, say, an art exhibit, and then they see uh, an important historical document, and they may not have you know, realized that was actually here in Jacksonville. Right. So it's been very good. Our, our We're in a, a building that was 100 years old as of last year, built in 1921 in a sort of neoclassical style, which was popular at the time. And we have all of the original fixtures and there's like Tiffany uh, chandeliers hanging from the ceiling and, and things like that. So the building is often of interest to people. Some people come here just to look at the building, honestly. It's historical in its own way. We do a lot of different kinds of events, sometimes musical performances. We've had uh, avant-garde jazz here. Uh, we've had you know classical piano recitals, choral groups come in and perform. We've also used this, there's a stage. So we've had some theatrical productions here. You know, I mean, really just anything that would be of interest, you know, people uh, we, we like to provide space and support to other cultural organizations and we're trying to promote the cult cultural expansion of jacksonville in whatever way we can you touched on a particular topic there that is of interest for me in particular i'm not a musician and i have no talent whatsoever when it comes to music but i i'm an avid listener and from just looking through the website that there are some musical manuscripts and various things from down through the ages, literally. Um, do you have anything specific in that regard in your museum? And then also just talk more broadly, if you can, for the listener of if they're in a place where they can visit some of the other museums and see some of these other things. Well, it does have a exhibit built around uh, classical music. Uh, I've seen a number of them. Uh, I know he has Puccini, uh, page, a uh, handwritten page of from Puccini on Madame Butterfly. There was something in there about the Hallelujah Chorus, I remember. Uh, yes. I'd have to look it up again, but. Well, I know he, he does have, uh, you know, he has a Beethoven manuscript, uh, I believe Schubert. I'm, I'm positive of the Madame Butterfly Puccini. But yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure of all of the individual uh, musical manuscripts that he has. We have lent some to the local uh, orchestra, uh, symphony orchestra to use uh, when they perform those works and they would have them out in the lobby for people to look at. Do you tend to run seasonal exhibits or do they tend to run a longer period of time, you know, like a, a fall exhibit through the holidays or, you know, things like that? Or how do you typically set well, we do structure? Our manuscript exhibits are up for four months. We have three per year. And then our art exhibits run for two months. So we have six per year. As far as, uh, because we're dealing with uh, 15 museums and changing out all of the exhibits, I can't always correspond them to the season. It's nice when we when we do get one. As far as the art exhibits go, I yes, I, I actually try and, and coordinate an art exhibit that fits in with the uh, with the season. So we've done a lot of October art exhibits with a Halloween or horror type 
theme and, and, and same with the, the Christmas holidays. I try and bring in artists that have something that corresponds with the holidays. So we talked quite a bit about manuscripts. Let's shift to art just a little bit. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the collection in art, both again, generally around all museums, but also what you have on display right there in Jacksonville. Right. Well, the display we have in Jacksonville is the convergence of cryptic antiquities, which I kind of already covered. And that is our art exhibit for for January and February. And then we have a, you know, a number of different artists coming up. But we, we have a wide variety of art exhibits. It could be painting, sculpture, photography. Uh, in this case, it's more uh, sculptural, I guess, three-dimensional objects. As far as each individual museum, the each director it, it handles all of the art exhibits for that particular location so we're kind of that's something that we're able to do independently of the uh the national organization and it helps bring people in gives them something else sometimes you have a couple come in and what usually what how it works is is uh one of them will be interested in the manuscripts and the other person is kind of like oh they might get bored <laughs> because the other person has to read every single item in, in the cases. And so the art is for them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or they come in with their kids and the kids have, you know, no interest whatsoever in reading about Martin Luther and the Protestant movement. But there's some art for them to look at. And there's some uh, also we have some permanent items in Jacksonville. Uh, we have displays of classical ship models. We have some Egyptian sandstones and ancient fossil relics, which also provide something for uh, people not interested in the manuscripts to look at. So what type of ship models are we talking? There's some, uh, a lot of them are from the, I would say the 16th and 17th centuries. Okay. And there's a, I think there's one that's much older than that, that's sort of the Egyptian Roman uh, ship. But most of them are from that era when, you know, I guess the great era of, of shipbuilding and, and the era of the, the British fleet and the uh, Spanish Armada and so forth. And these days, um, a lot of interest in pirate ships, anything along those lines? Yes. And that would tie in with that. Yes. Okay. Certainly. We have ship, ship models of ships from that era. How many visitors do you generally see coming through the museum? And do you have any idea of their real interest level that most of them gravitate towards art or they gravitate toward manuscripts or any kind of thought in that line of, of where the general interest is or is it just too much of a mix to really know that it's too much of a mix uh, i would have to say that the people who are visiting from out of town are here mostly to see the manuscripts they may not even be aware that much of our art exhibits uh they hear uh they they find when they're going some you know traveling they find us they see manuscript museum and they look it up and they so they come here to see you know, the historical manuscripts. I would say most our art exhibits, and we do hold art openings for them as well, um, generally attract mostly locals. I mean, people don't travel to, to see art as much as they, you know, but when they're coming through, they want to see the history. So it's kind of, I guess if you're going to split, I'd say more out-of-towners here for manuscripts, locals here to see the art exhibit. Okay. Well, and that's, you know, largely with our 
podcast, what we're trying to accomplish is to let people know that your museum is there and what type of exhibits they'll see. If they've never heard of Carpalis before, we give them some idea of what's there so that if they are planning a trip to the Jacksonville area, they can say, you know what, I'm going to include that on my top. Right. Uh, as far as the vo- uh, number of visitors, uh, you know, we throughout the week during our, our daily hours of operation, I'd say Tuesday through Friday, we have, you know, a handful of people come through anywhere between six and 15 is probably a good estimate. And then our Saturdays were open that more people are, are able to come down. So it picks up a little bit. Um, whenever we have a special event of some sort, we can bring in hundreds of people on that particular day. So uh, that's one reason we do put on special events because it, it, it creates visibility in the community and they come down and many people might come for an event and then say, well, I'm coming back here to check out every item on the exhibit when I have more time. So we, we rent the museum building for weddings and anniversary parties and private other private events and that's something which we have to do basically (laughs) to help bring in revenue leading in that direction um, i wanted to ask you about just centered around the museum what size staff do you have and do you need volunteer help to keep things rolling or is it fairly self-contained tell me a little bit about that well right now we have three uh members of the staff we drop down from four to three we have a maintenance person then i have someone who handles the art exhibits and any kind of cultural outreach programs that we have and then i handle all of the administrative and pr and 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 stuff of that nature we we're all paid not a lot but we're paid and we occasionally take on volunteers but they're usually students during the summer break you know college students at this time, honestly, our, our staff is able to handle everything. And you mentioned the word programs. Do you do programs like with school groups to come in and learn things and, and various things like that as well? We do that. And we also have what we call our mini museum program where elementary through high schools who are participating in the program can receive copies of famous manuscripts with a description. We, we supply them with a small case and it's usually, uh, they usually place them in their media centers. I can think we have about 35 schools that are involved in that program right now. And they get a catalog and look through and decide which manuscript they want at this particular time. And we ship it out to them and they mail it back when they're, when they're ready to change out to another one. That's one of the programs we do, but you know, bring in other groups. Uh, sometimes home uh, homeschoolers will come here on tour groups. That's a big, and we'll give them a presentation. Um, I also go out and speak to groups either at schools or historical societies, genealogical societies. So I'm kind of on that sort of network. So if someone wanted to reach out to you for a speaking engagement or or to get involved in one of these programs, how would they find you? They can call our number 904-356-2992, or they can send an email to kmuseumjax at aol.com. That's the best way to contact me through. We will put that contact 
information in the podcast notes as well. So if you're driving right now, can't write the information down, we'll have it listed there so you can always go back and find that as well. And I don't know if you mentioned it earlier uh, in your introduction, but admissions for all Carpless museums are free. That's part of the, uh, the mission of David Carpless. He felt like it was important for people to be exposed to these manuscripts, to appreciate the history. So all of, all of the Carpless manuscripts have free admission. And do you uh, take donations? And if so, how would someone donate? Um, Generally, uh, yeah, we do take donations. So we have a donation box that's in the foyer when you enter the museum. Uh, you know, people can also send us checks or money orders or anything like that if they would like to contribute. They would just send it to our address. We don't currently have any kind of uh, credit card processing because we're just we're a small a small nonprofit museum, so we you know, we do things kind of like that. And again, just generally, this is, um, this is exactly who I really want to promote through our episodes, our museums like yours, the ones that don't have uh, large corporate donors and a lot of uh, grants and other things right. supporting them. These are community-based efforts by people who just love what they do. And so I would encourage our listeners, if you can, uh, make a donation to Carpenter or any of the other episodes you've listened to where you've heard a nonprofit, whether it's a museum or other group, please reach out to them and help support them. That's, that's their lifeblood is you and me as a listener and as, as a visitor for them, uh, this is how they survive. And so we really want to support them as much as we can. Any final information you want to share? Anything we might have missed? I did want to mention that uh, the owner of the manuscript collection actually passed away on January 19th in Santa Barbara, California. You know, we're uh, all going to miss him, but the museums will continue. It, you know, it's set up that these will continue on in perpetuity, hopefully for generations. That's our hope. So uh, we are all appreciative of David Karpolis for starting this museum and preserving all of these artifacts, things like this can just disappear. And over time, we will have just never heard of them. So it's fantastic that he had the foresight and the ability, no less, to go out and start purchasing these things and provide them for all the rest of us to both enjoy as well as to learn from uh, with our history. Really appreciate that. So Rick, I want to say thanks to you. I appreciate you spending time today with me and educating our listeners and myself. I enjoyed our conversation. So um, again, for our listeners, uh, take a look at our podcast note, contact information for Carpolis there. And for everyone listening, I want to thank you for joining us today. I invite all of you to subscribe to my Telegram channel, Backroads and Backwaters, where you will find links to other great episodes just like this one. As a subscriber, you will also automatically receive alerts when new episodes are released. And remember to check out lifewave.com slash Terry Guthrie to learn more about the stem cell therapy patches I mentioned earlier. In the meantime, I hope to see you on my travels along the back roads and backwaters. <laughs>